0: This episode of the Baby Tribe podcast is proudly sponsored by HappyTummy.ie, the exclusive distributor of BioGaia probiotics for babies.
1: That's right. And as parents ourselves, we know how crucial it is to prioritize our children's health. BioGaia probiotics have been clinically proven to support digestive health and reduce the duration of crying in babies
0: experiencing colic. Absolutely. And HappyTummy.ie makes it incredibly convenient for parents to access these products.
1: Amazing. So for all your probiotic needs, head on
0: over to HappyTummy.ie. And Baby Tribe listeners can enjoy a 10% discount on all products at HappyTummy.ie with the code BabyTribe10. Okay, let's get on with the episode.
1: Welcome to the Baby Tribe podcast, where we will explore the beautiful chaos of parenthood and discover the joys and challenges of nurturing our little ones. We are your hosts, Katie Mugen
0: and Afif Kafash. Each week, we'll bring you the latest information on all things to do with parenting and delve into insightful conversations with experienced parents to bring you practical tips, heartwarming stories and a dose of laughter that every parent can relate to.
1: So grab your coffee, find a cosy spot and join us as we embark on this unforgettable journey of parenthood together. Welcome to the Baby Tribe.
0: What cosy spot is a parent going to find?
1: put on your earpods and out you go for that walk and you'll get to tune in and listen to myself and Afif talking everything small babies related. Let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to the Baby Tribe podcast. We hope you're enjoying it so far and if you do, we'd really love if you would subscribe, rate and leave a review so that we can share our expertise and tips and advice for more parents to tune into.
0: Unless you don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So do not rate it or leave a review unless it's it's really positive yeah unless it's really positive exactly let's keep the ratings up we have a five star perfect rating at the moment so we'd like to maintain that yeah yeah i keep i keep an eye on all these metrics katie for us you know
1: well now that we're on the tech side of things um i just walked out to a thief studio because this is where we do our podcast and i passed all this gaming equipment and yeah.
0: who actually owns it, Afif? My son. That's the that's the answer that I'm giving and that's the answer that I'm sticking with.
1: Mm. I found out today one of his secret kind of hidden pleasures is gaming.
0: Yeah, can't, I suppose, deny it anymore. I did talk about this before, about how COVID has made my kids much better at gaming. That's such a lie. I'd say it
1: was that you are now probably an expert gamer, are you?
0: Well, I'd like to think that I am, but um, they're now beating me in a lot of the games like Mario And other than that. And they revel in the fact that they can beat me now because for years and years and years, I used to be able to beat them. But yeah. <laughs> He's I, not competitive at all. I have, I have to de-stress <laughs> somehow and that's my, that's my de-stressor.
1: Yeah. I just, I, I said this to a thief earlier, I would never have put him down as a gamer.
0: Yeah, it's my secret that now is out. How many people listen to this every week? Oh, thousands and thousands, I bet. Oh God, yeah, so that's, that's not great. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I enjoy doing on occasion. So then you went on to tell me that you
1: actually have a dad squad that plays Fortnite, is that right? You have your, your catch-ups over
0: Fortnite. Listen, it's how we de-stress, it's how we chat. It's, it's a very social thing, you know, um, with, with some shooting, but usually the children end up beating us, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. We do you do sometimes.
1: know that you can make money out of this, thief, actually, because I was only talking to somebody that they can be a professional gamer. So you could leave your profession of saving uh, preterm babies and go into gaming permanently.
0: I might look into that, but unfortunately, I don't think I'm that good. You know? Good.
1: Well, I'm glad yeah. you're not that good. So you're not leaving me just yet.
0: No, not, not just yet. Not good. just yet. But we'll see. I'll keep practicing. Anyway, what are we talking about today?
1: So today we are actually going to touch on a childhood illness that, or ailment, I should really say, that most kids will go through at some stage in their life. We're, and in that, the,
0: we're in the throes of it now, aren't
1: we? Yes. So this is why the topic kind of came up. I get so many DMs and even messages from family and friends about their little ones having a temperature, um, how to treat it, how to care for it, when to treat it, when to see the GP. So we're going to break it down now. Okay, great. So off you go. So, we're going to talk about fever today. And a normal temperature is anywhere between 36 and 37 degrees, a high temperature is above that. The one thing to note is that you do not need to use a temperature or thermometer all the time to check your little one's uh, temperature. You use your hand on the core of the body and if they are happy, content and their body temperature is um, okay, then you accept that they're a normal temperature. Otherwise, I see so many parents freaking out with their newborns, wondering what the temperature is. A high temperature is classed generally as anything over 38 degrees. Between 37 and 38 degrees can be due to the environment if you had too many layers on. But you also must accept and look at how the baby is presenting. Are they happy, content, feeding really well. And if they are, it could be just simply a top, a layer needs to be removed from the infant. If we are hitting 38 degrees, that indicates that there is an infection present. Most parents will worry and be all consumed about the figures of what's reading on the thermometer, as in they must treat the temperature. It's actually what's causing the temperature and the fever is what we want uh, to know as professionals. So if your little one is off form, they're irritable, they are unsettled and they are under three months of age. With the temperature, they over thirty eight degrees. They need to be seen. If you feel there's something not right and there is no temperature present, they still need to be seen. I always say go with the gut. Parents will always kind of wonder, you know, will I, won't I? But it is better for a child to be seen rather than not seen. I think you'll agree, if Eve.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the most likely cause in those cases could be a viral infection. Yeah, but. There is a small number of babies that may present early with a serious bacterial infection that needs urgent treatment, and it can be impossible to tell by just looking at the baby. So sometimes we may decide to do some tests looking for evidence of the bacteria if it is there, you know, around different parts of the body. And the important thing to emphasize is do not give these babies kind of calpol and hope that the temperature will come down because all you're doing is masking the fever that is there for a reason. And that really applies to babies under three months of age.
1: Absolutely. For the majority, we'd always even recommend you go straight to your PEDS unit rather than GP first for these infants under three months. From three months on to six, nine months, it's actually your GP is fine to go and uh, see and get reviewed. um, And it's really looking at what's causing it. So obviously the GP will do a full check head to toe, see what's causing it. Um, with the viral infections, they generally pass within a few days and it's treating the symptoms as in if your child is uncomfortable, um, unwell, then Calpol, paracetamol products or ibuprofen over the age of three months is fine to use. And that goes on weight dependent. A lot of parents don't know this. There's loads of charts out there that once you know the weight of the child, you can actually dose appropriately. On the back of the packets of any of these medications, paracetamol and the ibuprofen, you will find that it's just a rough gauge. So you just need to be careful. Sometimes we can be underdosing, sometimes we can be overdosing our kids with regards to it. It's, you know, when we talk about keeping the child comfortable, if your child is uncomfortable and they're wearing too many layers, then you can take off the layers. But you don't need to strip a child to try bring down the temperature. We don't recommend cool, tepid sponging, anything like that. It's keeping the child comfortable. The medication, when their temperature is high, you can give it if they're symptomatic, but it's not necessarily trying to reduce the temperature per se. It's about treating the cause. Um, And if it's viral, it's kind of riding it out. If it's bacterial, then the doctor that you see will prescribe a medication antibiotic in order to treat the infection. In terms of giving
0: Calpol, or paracetamol versus ibuprofen, those two medications work in slightly different ways. So there's sometimes scope in giving the two medications to the baby or the child um, on the same day. But you always have to follow the instructions and not kind of overdose on one of those particular ones. So the dosing of paracetamol is usually every four to six hours with a maximum of four doses a day. And the dosing of ibuprofen is usually six to eight hours with a maximum of three doses per day. But they can be sort of alternated or sometimes if the fever is hard to control given at the same time.
1: And one thing, um, always have the suppositories. For small children, they can be very, very handy to do so. If your child is vomiting, then the suppositories are the way to go. Also, the dosage can be different. It can be given a slightly higher dose when it's given in the suppository form rather than oral form as well. And it can actually target and hit the temperature much quicker when you're giving it that way.
0: And there's always important red flags that you need to keep in eye on in a baby that has a fever. So for example, if they are beginning to struggle to finish their feeds, if you find that their breathing is labored, you know, looking at neck stiffness can sometimes be difficult, but it's something to keep an eye on. Bright lights begin to disturb them. That's something to keep an eye on as well. And look for a rash. And I know a rash always comes up every now and again in the media as something that you need to keep an eye on. It can be difficult for parents to actually tell which rash is nothing to worry about versus which rash is um, significant. We generally say that a rash that is non-blanching, meaning that if you put pressure on the skin surrounding it, does not fade or go away, that that is a sign that it could be something that needs investigation by the GP. Doesn't necessarily always mean that there is something seriously wrong, but it's something that is a red flag that needs um, a healthcare professional to um, throw an eye on to make sure that everything's okay. So that's what I would say. About that, and always go with your instinct and gut. If you're ever concerned, regardless of the reason, always seek um, professional help so that they could either, um, you know, confirm your suspicion or allay your concerns. But don't put the onus on yourselves to yeah. make that call.
1: Absolutely, and I think as healthcare professionals, sometimes parents. Us as parents can be the worst for our own kids that we nearly leave them till they're really unwell before we get before we seek help. Um, if your babies, like um, Afifa said, if they're particularly for the small babies, if they're mottled, and I know parents are kind of like, what does that mean? If you can nearly see like they, their skin looks nearly translucent with their veins more pronounced in look, then you'd always get them uh, checked as well. If they're nappies, it's a really big indication. So if their feeds start to drop, um. Whether breastfed or bottle fed, and you notice that their nappies are less heavy or they're less dry or less wet, if they reduce in volume, then it is something to be checked just to make sure they're not dehydrated. And that can happen if they're not taking enough floral fluids in and they um, have a very high temp. So Temperatures, I guarantee most babies will have a fever at some stage in their lives or kids will. They can be quite frightening for parents um, when they have, haven't have had exposure to them before, um, particularly in the smaller infants. So always get them reviewed if you have any concerns. But it is particular to note that in a very small infant, a cold temperature can be just as dangerous as a high temperature. So that has to be taken in and considered as well. But I always kind of say that if your baby is very off form, if nothing that would normally do to settle them works, Um, they're not feeding or and it can happen very abruptly then always seek medical attention don't leave it and wait it out. Great I
0: think that's very good advice and that will that a lot of parents will find helpful. Moving on to our guest who do we have on today?
1: We have Dr. Darren O'Leary who is joining us today and like I always say I'm super excited about this one. Are you? That's unlike you
0: because you're n- you're never really excited. about. <laughs> I'm guests. a
1: very excitable person. Yes. I've followed Darren for
0: years and I have to say I love her on Instagram. So tell us. Dr. Darren O'Leary graduated with an honours medical degree from the University College Cork with a specialist interest in women's health. She's also a lecturer at the School of Medicine in UCC and a member of the Irish College of General Practitioners. She's a registered smear taker and is also a long acting reversible contraception provider and has an eye. CGP accredited certificate in community gynecology. Whilst her true passion is general practice, Dr. O'Leary contributes to the media on medical matters. And I'm sure you've seen her on a lot of platforms. Dr. O'Leary regularly contributes to the Today Show on RTE television. The Last Word on Today FM and New Stock Radio as well. She also shares her passion for women's health on her own social media channels and the Dr. Dearen podcast. So Dearen, thank you so much for joining us on the Baby Tribe podcast. We're absolutely delighted that you agreed to come on. We have been really excited about this interview with you.
2: Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be on and looking forward to our chat.
0: Oh, Not at all. I've been following you for quite a number of years now and um, you're a great health advocate. So I think people really benefit from your page and the information that you share. So Darren, before we get into all the parenting stuff, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
2: So I am a GP in Cork City um, and I live in Cork. I went to UCC as well. So very much a homebird. Um, I'm a GP in Cork City in the city center. I really like it it's a it's a busy practice right in the in city center in Patrick Street um, and I mostly do women's health. that's what I really like to do. so I do a lot of women's health um, Our patient cohort in in town it's a lot of young people, young families. Um, I really like women's health, so I do a lot of that. Um, and I also have, I share information on Instagram as well. So I kind of share some like health information on Instagram and I'm a mom as well. So I'm currently on maternity leave.
0: The, the Instagram part has been, I mean, you've been become really, really prolific. And I think that is a testament to the content that you have and the value that you give. And you mentioned you're on maternity leave now. So congratulations And I know you you had a new arrival recently. Did you feel prepared for the arrival of your baby, given the fact that you actually are in the medical field and you almost you deal with this on a daily basis?
2: Yeah. You know, I think there was pieces that I did feel prepared for. Like I knew that I would know how to recognize a sick baby. And, you know, that if there was something uh, medical going on, I felt confident in my ability there. Definitely. Um, But it was the other piece, you know, like the the mom piece that is, you know, that I felt kind of unnerved by or, you know, I didn't know what I was jumping into. Like I was remembering asking my friends, like, what is the difference between like a sleep sack and a sleep suit and a baby grow and all of those things? And, you know, I, I remember like practicing how to uh, you know how to use a bottle warmer and all of that. So I was um I was nervous and felt under prepared. Um, I felt that way um about all of those things. Um, and I, I was just there's so much information online as well. Um and I it was things like I, I remember asking a friend as well, I was like do I need a Moses basket and you know a cot and a this and that um so with those things that I felt were kind of like overwhelming um at the start and I felt underprepared but you know I think once baby arrived you know you you, you learn fast
0: <laughs> the learning curve can be very steep and it's funny we've we've spoken to um you know Maria Tempany who was another GP as well who felt exactly the same thing that you are kind of prepared for the you know medical aspects but even then when it's your own you sort of can't really make any objective calls and myself, you know, training in pediatrics when I first had mine, now that's, you know, 12 and 15 years ago, you know, and know, but I was a senior registrar at that stage, like the, the, the parenting piece, you're absolutely not prepared for. And you're just like anybody else that is, you know, expecting an arrival. And those are the things that we worried about, you know, how many things do we need? Do we need a cot and a Moses basket yeah. and something for downstairs and a playpen and all of this?
2: I wish, yeah, I wish I could say to myself, you don't have to buy all of the things. You can choose one or two. Um, And, you know, it's so true. I remember maybe when my baby was about four weeks old, my friend called over and she's not a medic. My baby was doing something. I don't know what it was. And I very seriously said to her, I said, is that normal? It's, uh, you know, because she's a mom and, and she she I think she was she kind of laughed because, she, you know, saying, oh, you know, you're a doctor. But I, like I was saying to her, like, is that normal? I don't know. You know, so, yeah, uh,
0: know. yeah
2: it's a real mix.
0: I know. And and yeah, uh, if it's any consolation, we didn't recognize myself and my wife, both doctors, that my daughter had really bad reflux for the first nine months. And it took a visit to A&E where my colleague said, Afif, you know, she has reflux. This is your bread and butter. And I was like, well, <laughs> I just thought she was a devil child. you know?
2: (laughs) And, you know, but it's it's like yourself with your own health. You can't, you know, you can't be your own GP. You can't be the GP or doctor to your spouse or to your children or to your family, you know, because you lose... (laughs) and that objectivity.
0: That's a very important message I suppose to send to any um, people in the medical profession that are listening and that, you know, you really need that support and you can't do it yourself. Moving on, after you had your baby, what surprised you the most about, you know, about your baby, about being a new parent?
2: One of the things that I was not expecting that is really, truly that I really didn't anticipate was, I suppose, and this has been our experience, the grandparent piece how excited and involved and the joy and the being at the door every day you know I really didn't anticipate that I guess nobody really talks about that you know but that's been our experience we've been so lucky and we've been so supported but I just I never I didn't think about that you know about how how excited they would be you know Um, and that's lovely um and then I suppose the other mm-hmm. thing then is just like you know the the une- like other une- unexpected things like life really does change a lot and you you develop I suppose a new role and and um, keeping everything going. It's you're not just becoming a parent, but then it's kind of like it's the running of the whole household and keeping everything going. And mm-hmm. I didn't feel pressure around that before when it was just us, but then when there's a baby involved, you feel like you you really you have to keep things going as best you can so there's more of a a weight kind of on that to keep things going so it's and you kind of become the the like the central person like to keep everything going but I've you know a lot of help and a lot of support this family as well so I'm lucky but it is it's a it's a huge you you take on extra more roles than you than just becoming a parent I think
0: and I think it's it's the realization that you're actually now responsible for someone else's life and well-being is what i found personally you know quite overwhelming to start with it was mentioned in previous interviews that it can come with a new form of anxiety that you didn't experience before being a parent that a lot of things that you used to dismiss before now become a lot more relevant to you because you have yeah. another person to to deal with and just on the grandparent piece i mean the grandparent love and my and my own parents told me this it comes with a caveat they're there to love and spoil your child, not to raise your child. So that's something to be mindful yes. of as, as that's, yeah. That's yeah, true. So. And
1: that's
2: you know, and that's but that's I think that's why they, they love it so much yes. because they get to just, you know, do like they, you know, they do the lovely fun pieces and it yes. it is it's so lovely and it's such a joy. But I, I did not
0: anticipate it at all. I remember when my daughter was born getting really jealous, going, You never let us do any of this, you know. <laughs> And, you know, both my parents were pediatricians and I remember my father who yeah. was still, I mean, he's retired now, but he was still practicing in pediatrics at the time, offering yeah. her a cone of ice cream and she wasn't even one. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? <laughs> you know, and he was like, oh, but she really wants it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but even, even like he lost all sense of his pediatric training and it was just pure love, you know, the way. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's a know, joy. It, it is a joy. and. Um, you spoke about the, the, the support that you are getting now. And obviously, you, you did mention that you have taken time off now to be on mat leave. Uh, did you feel supported to take the time off?
2: I did. You know, I did externally. Yes. From my colleagues. Absolutely. Yes, I did. I felt that, you know, support and there was no pressure on when to come back. Um, or setting dates or anything like that yes I I did I felt very supported by my colleagues absolutely you know but before I left for maternity leave I, I didn't know you know if I would like to be at home or if I would like to go back you know when I would like to go back before I left I said oh look I'll probably come back after about six months you know I imagine that I'll be really dying to get back to work I really like my job I like what I do um, but I was surprised by how much I, you know, I suppose you, your, your priorities change so much. You know, I wasn't itching to get back to work. You know, I love I love my work and I feel so lucky to get to do it. But I, you know, I'm, I am taking a full year of maternity leave, you know, because I want that time at home. As well. So I didn't anticipate that either. And I thought I'd miss my job. But in the nicest possible sense, I don't miss it because I know it's there. It's not going anywhere. I can always go back. And I have an important job to do do at home, you know, so I was surprised by
0: that as well. That's amazing. And that's actually really, I think, nice and empowering to hear because the overall theme that I suppose we've been gleaning from guests so far is that some have felt pressure to go back. Some have felt guilty for wanting to go back, even mm. though, um, you know that was a choice that they wanted to make. And some have felt that what will the societal attitudes be towards them if they make one decision over another? But you seem to be confident in the decisions that you're making, and that's actually great. And the reason I'm bringing it up, it's something that needs to be celebrated because you kind of mm. are damned if you do and damned if you don't. Um, you know, if you're a mom and and being open about the fact, look, I don't want to go back to work now. I'm happy where I am, and I will make a decision when the decision is right for me. I think is an important message to 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 send out to say it's okay to actually do that.
2: Uh, it's so true. I maybe you know. I guess I feel like that as well. I have always felt that general practice is a very supportive overall community so there is that support there i don't feel any sort of external pressures whatsoever in saying i need to do what i need to do you know so and there's a real um understanding and support network um it's it's an understanding community to work in and a very supportive space to be in so i you know would i was not under pressure from them to come back we had a phone call and i said look this is what i'm doing and they said, you know, no problem. You know, you're, um, you know, just let us know uh, when when you are coming back.
0: The other big piece of what you do on a day to day is your social media presence and on Instagram particularly. Was that a different ballgame in terms of what you're doing? Because I know you are still maintaining quite a good presence there. You still have a lot of great information. How are you managing to do that at the moment?
2: Yeah, it's interesting with that. I thought actually before before uh, my son arrived I spoke with you know some you know there's a like a we've a I've a management team and a team I spoke to them and I just said look I'm actually gonna give this all up I'm not gonna do this anymore I'm kind of just gonna wind down the Instagram page I'm you're like you're never gonna see me again <laughs> basically because I thought I thought I wouldn't be able to kind of Manage everything. And I thought I just, I just thought I would disappear. Like myself as a person, I thought that me as an individual, that I would just kind of disappear and wouldn't do this stuff anymore. Uh, But I, you know, I soon realized that, you know, I suppose I, you know, being at home, that, and I kind of wanted to start doing it again, actually. I kind of, you know, was over the initial like fear of the unknown. Um, and I was adjusting to, you know, my new role and all of that. Um, Michelle, who who works with me, you know, kind of came back to me and said, look, how are you feeling now? Would you like to maybe start working, you know, on Instagram again? Um, and I did. Um, so the nice thing about that is the nice thing about Instagram is if there's a week where things are too busy or, you know, uh, baby is teething or um I just don't feel like it you know I just don't feel like being online then you can take a break from it um but then when you have you know an idea or a creative spark or something you can do that as well um kind of in your own time uh so I do enjoy it and it is nice that I can largely do it kind of when when it suits um when it suits me and when it suits what's going on in the house in general
0: and that's the beauty of um your social media presence in general is that you can be in control of you know the time you put in and the content that you put in as well and it can be a nice way of um of maintaining it and you seem to continue to be quite diverse in the information that you put on instagram it didn't all of a sudden change into a baby page you know and that was that a conscious decision
2: that is, because there are people, you know, there are people, I I suppose, firstly, I don't actually see a lot of paediatrics in my work as a GP. Um, you know, as I said at the start, I'm in the city centre, uh, and my office is up two flights of stairs. So there's not a lot of buggies and car seats coming up there, you know. So, you know, we have a young patient cohort, and mostly what of my real interest is, in is women's health and you know I and mean, you know and I see uh, we do have kids and um, you know but it's not a huge amount of my workload so it's never been something that you know I have felt like you know I just feel like you know there are so many great kids pages amazing pages who have it sewn up wrapped up and um, and I don't feel like it's a space that I need to Jump it. It's not something that's actually coming very naturally to me to post about beads.
0: And I actually meant that as a, as, as I suppose a good thing, in that you're maintaining what what you did beforehand, and it's a nice continuity for your followers, I suppose, because you probably have a certain group of followers that really want to maintain getting information about women's health and things like that. And on that, I just want to explore that a little bit, and that's the increasing feature of medics being on social media. I sort of interestingly. Went into the space recently. My my Instagram page initially was was a purely yeah. art page, and then I started doing a lot of pediatric stuff. Basically, because I used to get a lot of DMs asking, "Why aren't you doing? You know, what, yeah. you know your bread and butter." And I decided to jump into it, and I'm really enjoying it now. Um, yeah. sometimes there are criticisms of people doing that on social media. What are your views? I mean, obviously you're in favor, <laughs> but yeah. um, and so am I. And I think it's a nice way of providing evidence-based information to people because that's how people consume a lot of information now. And I find it's really hard for parents to go and find a website on a specific topic that they're looking for. Is it true? Is it not? And the example I give is information on formula. Um, you know, if you try and look for information on formula, the first 10 lines on Google are actually advertisements. Mm. And sometimes it can be hard to sift through what is an advertisement and what is evidence-based. And again, the caveat I always have to put in, this is not me criticizing people taking formula at all. I'm a big supporter of it, but it's just the information and how to get it.
2: Totally. Well, you know, the way I see it is that if medics and doctors are not online, then our information will not be out there and then disinformation will win out. So we have to be there um, because if we don't have a seat at the table, then our voice will not be heard and then disinformation is what will prevail. Um, and that was what really, really sparked me to start my page about about five years ago now and because I was on Instagram a lot and I remember... Distinctly, there was a post from you know somebody with no health qualifications at all posting about bloating, and there was no there was no like you know signs, symptoms, causes, investigations, treatment. You know what I mean? So, and I just thought, okay, but somebody has to put out the correct information. And um, so, as opposed to it, what I decided in that moment was that i wouldn't go to people who are putting out disinformation and kind of comment on their post oh you're doing it all wrong that i would put out the correct information myself and um, so if there's a lot of there's a lot of wellness on instagram but doctors can bring information about illness and um, alongside uh, wellness um, and if we're not there Uh, we won't be able to put out the correct information. We're just going to see more and more, I think, doctors, you know, putting out And we do. We're seeing more and more all the time. And it's great. You know, it's wonderful.
0: Yeah. And and well said. And I think it is an important um, service that doctors do. And a lot of the time they do it in their own time. You know, they do it just to actually provide accurate evidence-based information. And I felt personally that, you know, there was there was a need for that. I mean, there was there's a lot of great pediatric advice out there. But what I felt was missing personally was there isn't very much information out there on the early months people usually start giving information from a year onwards and then I felt that there isn't a lot of information for the very young babies and there's a lot of misinformation out there actually so anyway um what about you're you're now a parent and you're doing your social media has being a parent sort of changed your leadership style and how you approach things have you changed in how you deal with things on a day-to-day basis
2: yeah you know i I think maybe possibly I've become a slightly more confident leader I suppose in the behind the scenes work that I do because you do take on that role, I suppose, as a parent. So maybe just a bit more assertive in my, you know, in my leadership style, I guess, in the work that I do. Um, And also, you know, it's a lot easier now to prioritize uh, because you just have a lot less time. So it's easier when to say no um, or just to simply say there is no time here to do this. And I'm just really I'm more realistic, I think, in terms of time management um, and being able to say, you know, no, this isn't going to happen. There's no time for that or, you know, just not going to work on this um, because we have to prioritize. So I think I can just prioritize a bit better in ter- and time manage a bit better and a bit more assertive because it's your your priority is so clear, you know, that your priority, you know, for me at the moment, obviously it's all about my son and then the other stuff, you know, so it's, it's easier to say no when it's not such a big priority in your head anymore, you
0: know. Yeah. And that's an overarching theme we're actually seeing in, in new parents that have had you know, multiple facets to what they do in their professional life. They are more assertive. They they feel that they can, you know, decide what they can and cannot do. And they don't feel as much external pressures to kind of do things. So it's absolutely great. Darren, you're very successful in in what you do. Do you have or have you had any mentors along the way that you look up to that have helped you along the way?
2: You know, I have to, have to say, you know, my husband has really been, so supportive behind like behind the scenes and um, he's very supportive of me what I do you know he takes an interest in it I value his opinion he'll have you know he gives me like really some of the best like ideas and tips and he's helped me last so I have to say actually my husband really has been a mentor for me and continues to be really you know I, I take his I really value his opinion and he'll sometimes, you know, at the very outset when I was trying to grow my Instagram page and it was finding it hard. And I was like, how do I do this? How do I how do I get out there and grow it? Um, and he said, well, if you want followers, you have to display leadership, you know, so those are the type of things that he's little nuggets of genius that i thought he's you know helped me with over the years so i would have to face my husband
0: yeah uh, it's 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 very interesting that you say that and i've mentioned this on on the pod before um you know my wife has been also amazing behind the scenes in actually helping me navigate this 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 world that is sort of female dominated you know and um i've said this on the podcast before even when i was trying to form the questions that i wanted to ask you know um, new moms and things like that. And she. the interesting thing is we used, you know, AI to help us develop some of the questions. And then she noticed that when I actually changed the gender of the person that I was supposedly interviewing from from female to male, and I put in the same thing into the AI algorithm, all the questions about guilt and feeling under pressure wow. were actually removed. Um, And I didn't notice that where she picked up on it and she said, look, the questions are exactly the same with the exception of, you know, maternal guilt was removed. You're not, there's, there's no question. The AI didn't ask you to ask the dads whether they felt guilty, whether they had any obstacles. So, you know, and my unconscious bias I was blind to it where she was able yeah. to, and that's just one she, little nugget of, of, of how she's kind of helping me along with this podcast. So uh, it, yeah. it's, it's definitely worth, worth a mention. Um just finally, before we finish, do you have any advice to new parents that have a lot on their plate in terms of maybe they have their own business and they're trying to navigate all of that and maintain that? I suppose a lot of it came through as we were talking, um, but any kind of specific advice for parents?
2: Uh, well, you know it's the the amount of times a day you know I say to, to say to myself, "You can't pour from an empty cup, um I do have to remind myself of that a lot. you know, if it's just even taking sixty seconds to say, oh, "I'm really thirsty, I need to have, I need to drink some water. Um, so just remembering that piece. Um, you know, asking for help. Um, you know, I I ask for help, and I'm very lucky. You know that I do have a lot of help. My mom is minding, um, our boy now, so that we can do this recording. Um, so you know, asking for help, talking to your friends. I would be so lost without my friends. I'm in like constant communication <laughs> with my friends who are so supportive. Um, uh, so talking to people um and asking for help you can't pour from an empty cup Um, and you know something as well that you a little bit of journaling gratitude journaling about any thoughts that come into your head whether it's personal or professional stuff um that can really help and calm your mind um you know even if you did it for five minutes in the morning. Um, I find that helpful if if I'm a little bit overwhelmed.
0: The the journaling is actually coming through many, a lot of guests are actually talking about that and how therapeutic it is and how helpful it is in in refocusing the mind or just dealing with, um, you know, a a difficult day. So I think it's something well worth visiting. Do you have any podcasts that you like to listen to?
2: I do. I like to watch, I like to listen to... There's a lot of them. Well, I sometimes it depends on my what mindset I'm in. So sometimes I listen to the diary of a CEO and I'm like want to get like motivated or get some interesting ideas. And so I like that. And then I listen to they're not necessarily podcasts, but I listen to a lot of um, like medical webinars because I like to learn about what why i want to stay up to date with medicine because you'll fall behind very quickly you know if you're not in practice so you know today i listened to a podcast on hypercholesterolemia um and osteoporosis management because and i just like those because i just feel like that they kind of it's enriching your brain to learn something and to educate yourself you know so um I like that but then as well sometimes I just I don't want to learn anything or I don't want to really think about it and I'll like you know I listened to an interview with Gwyneth Paltrow recently you know just a random celebrity just talking about their life you know so that kind of like that kind of thing as well um I, don't, I, don't, but I yeah I think yeah those are it's it's mostly just like boring medical topics or if I want to learn like you know about new like I there's a there's um there's a podcast and it's called, this is so random, it's called pre Over Coffee. And it's like these obstetricians in the US who are preparing residents for odds exams. And I listen to that.
0: Darren, it has been an amazing um, interview. Thank oh. you so much for giving us your time. We really, really appreciate it. I think we've touched on a lot of topics and I thoroughly enjoyed our social media chat and, and the importance of actually having a social media presence and, and you're doing a phenomenal job. Likewise. So um thank you. Likewise. So much.
2: Thank you so much for
1: having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Baby Tribe podcast. We hope you found inspiration and valuable insights to help you on your parenting journey.
1: Remember you're doing an amazing job. Thanks for being part of the Baby Tribe community. See you next week.